I want you to turn back to 1 Kings 18. I want to finish this. And I know it took me several weeks to do it, but I've had a time of getting here. And I want to tidy this up tonight because I want to bring some more messages on the theme of revival. Uh, Y'all be praying for Brother Austin. This is his last week of freedom. Brother Austin and Abby were going to get married sometime this week, I think. Uh, I think it's Saturday, right? And uh, it's at, what, 3 o'clock? 5? Well, I'll be here at 3 and we'll get married at 5. But I'm just picking at them. I'm so proud of them. And see these young couples get married, stay in the church. And I, I hope they'll raise their kids in church. I hope they'll have a lot of kids to bring to church. I hope they'll have a lot of kids to bring to church. Don, you need some more kids in your family for Christmas and Thanksgiving. I want to preach a little bit, then the kids are going to, then the girl, then they're going to come and sing that great song about revival. It's been in my heart. It's a burden. And I want to thank the Lord for the services we have. I want to thank the Lord for the spirit that's in our church. I want to thank God for the liberty that we have. But as I travel across this country, I don't see that everywhere I go. In fact, some of the deadest churches I've ever been in is Baptist churches, independent Baptist churches, people who claim to have the monopoly on the truth. I got news for you. The Bible's got the monopoly on the truth. We don't worship a domination. We worship Jesus Christ. And, and I, I must, I'm seeing some things in churches that bother me. And I'm so glad our church has ministries, outreach to reach people. But the church is it's not just a, a fellowship hall. It's not just a social club. It's not just a, a religious country club. But it's a powerhouse, a lighthouse. And I, I hope to God we never get the mentality, you know, I'm for and no more. Let's get hungry to see God save some folks. And I've been doing some studying in history. And like Julie's grandfather would show me the pictures from the late 40s and 50s. The boys was fighting the war and he would pastor four churches at one time. And But he would show me the pictures that, They'd have him baptizing on Sunday down at the creek. As far as the eye could see, there'd be cars lined up, hundreds being baptized at one time. I was reading the other day, and I knew this, but I'd forgot it. In 1954, listen to this now, 1954, Billy Graham held a 16-week revival at Madison Square Garden. You know where that is, don't you? That's in New York. And we had a 16-week revival in 1954 at Madison Square Garden. Thousands of people came to Christ. I, I knew this, but I forgot it. In 1964, he held a 10-week campaign. Listen to this. In Los Angeles, California, of all places, and thousands of people were saved. At that same time, Jack Howells was running 20,000 in Hammond. Lee Robertson was running 15,000 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tom Malone was running 5,000 in Detroit, Michigan. And that was happening all over this country. Thousands of people were being saved. 
And some of you remember when Forest Hills Baptist Church and out in Decatur in its heyday in the 70s running 3,500, 4,000, 5,000 people, people being saved constantly. I remember in 1984 when Julie and I moved to this part of the country in Clayton County alone, I'm talking in Clayton County alone, there were four independent Baptist churches that run over 800 to 1,000 apiece. People were being saved. No telling that the people that came to Jesus through the ministry of Lake City Baptist Tabernacle, Dr. Rushing, in its prime. Brother John's a product of People's Baptist and Dr. Wright when the Holy Ghost moved over there and God sent revival. 1984. That was a good year, wasn't it? But I'm saying that I believe that's why we're losing our country because we're not having that. Uh, Los Angeles hadn't had a 16-week religious campaign of any kind. And I know they ain't had it in New York City. And uh, we've not even had that in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you noticed my prayer this morning, but last week I took my wife out to eat. We went downtown, and uh, that thing they advertise on the radio called the Tabernacle. Come here, this rock group at the Tabernacle. Well, go, go look at it. You ought to go look at it sometime. On the outside, it looks like a church because it was a church. It was a fundamental Baptist church for years. R.A. Torrey preached in that building. Anybody ever heard of Georgia? Baptist Hospital that used to be downtown Atlanta. You know where Georgia Baptist Hospital began? In the basement of the Baptist Tabernacle, downtown Atlanta. Dr. Lawton was a medical doctor, got saved and called to preach. And when he built that big church, he had a desire to help sick folks. And I'm going to tell you, don't you listen to these uh, uh, news pundits, I call them crackpots, on the TV that want to disassociate America from Christianity. Let me tell you something. American history is religious history. We were founded on G.O.D. Christian principles. And I believe one reason why, and somebody asked me the other day, he said, how do these dumb people get elected? Dumb people vote for them. Well, how do these weirdos get elected? Weirdos vote for them. By the way, you know, that's how we operate this country. We vote our officers in and vote them out. And somebody said, I don't understand how people that believe in abortion and all this can be voted in. They voted in by people that's not had revival. And I don't believe we're going to change America at the, at the, at the ballot box. But I, won't, I tell you this, if we change America in the altar of our Baptist churches alone, not counting the other denominations, but if Baptist people in Georgia would have revival, if the Baptist churches in Metro Atlanta would have revival. Uh, Brother Mays used to say the difference between the South and the North was this. You can come to North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia and shake a bush and 50 Baptist churches run out. I was in a town a while back that had Unity Baptist Church. I said, I believe it when I see it. Way down the street was Second Unity. And over on the other side of town was Third Unity. That's about like having First Fellowship, Second, Third Ship. You, you know what I'm saying. But I believe the reason why America is gone the way it's gone, we're not having all them hundreds and thousands of people being saved a year. And when these old saints of God that know how to pray, and they know how to live. I call it the salt and light. 
Well, that's left us like it has in the last 15 years in this country. We need to pray for God to do it again. And somebody said something to me today at lunch. It just pierced my heart. And I knew it, but I'd forgotten it. You know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples about service, he said, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest. He didn't say, pray we'll get a big harvest. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus didn't say, pray we'll have a big harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest will send the laborers into the harvest. And I just believe tonight if we got enough laborers laboring in the harvest, we're going to reap something. Church, God has promised us that his word would not return unto him void. And I believe if we get enough people preaching God's word, shouting God's word, singing God's word, living God's word, obeying God's word, something's got to happen. And I don't know about you, but I'd love to have a place left for my grandbabies and the next generation to be able to go and worship God. We've had three or four churches in our, our local area since COVID close the doors and go out of business. There's a church not far from here. The pastor was going to retire. And he said, you want me to help you get you a pastor? I'm going to retire. They said, we'll just close her down. Most of us are going to move out. And we're going to move away. And there's nobody left. So they're going to close her down. And I'm saying that's happening all over this country. I believe Macedonia World Baptist Missions did us a, a survey not long ago, and they said every year over a hundred churches a month in America close their doors. And I don't believe the answer to today is less church. I don't believe it's less preaching. I don't believe it's less worship. I don't believe it's less soul winning. In fact, the Bible tells me exhorting one another. Say it, Brother Tom. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Does anybody see a day approaching? Now, it's a good day for you and I. We're about to get out of here. But it's not a good day for this world. I've just got it in my heart. I'd love to see the fire of God burn again. I was privileged this week to preach in some churches that's Doing a great job. And every church, God, let me preach in this week. It's on fire for God. Tearing it up. But that's unusual. I go in some churches and it's an eerie silence. I mean, just a, and it's not just a lack of praise. I mean, it's an eerie silence. It's friction and animosity in the air. And I don't believe we need that in these last days. And I'm just praying God to send the fire again, aren't you? And so we've been preaching on that in 1 Kings 18 about the fire of God falling on the road and the results of revival. And it took me a while to walk down that road, but I finally got there this morning. But I want to spend just a few moments tonight at the end of this and talk about the results of revival. What happened in this text when God came on the scene and the fire fell? And I believe what God did here in this text when the fire fell, God can do that in this room tonight. And I believe we need it in our churches and in our nation like never before. After he repaired the altar, after he made the sacrifice, after he made a choice, after he took a stand and this morning, after he prayed that 
63-word prayer. Look at verse number 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And I hope you didn't miss that point this morning. When that fire fell, the first thing it touched was Elijah's sacrifice. God said, son, that labor and that work that you have put forth, it's not been in vain. And I'm going to put my fire on your sacrifice. And I believe tonight God will put his approval on our work and remind us that it does pay to serve the Lord. May the fire of God fall upon our sacrifice. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trenches. I want you to write down in the margin of revival, complete revival. No stone was left unturned. God licked the water. He licked the dust. He licked the sacrifice. Son, when God does it, it's done right. And the Bible said in verse number 39, And when all the people saw it, not Elijah, but the fire, the manifestation of God, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, say it with me tonight, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Now watch verse number 40. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them, watch your Bible now, down to the brook Kishon, and slew them there. Wow, sounds like he's pretty serious about this thing. And man, when I saw verse number 41, I like to have a spell. In fact, I did. Look in verse number 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink. And I want you to say this line out loud with me. For there is a sound of an abundance of rain. God is about to do what hadn't been done in three and a half years. Elijah had prayed, God, get the nation's attention. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And can you imagine the drought that came, the lack of food that came? I mean, the desperation in the hearts of those people. God said, I'm going to get it to rain again. I'm going to show you that I'm still God and I'm going to send an abundance of rain. That is the result of real revival. God doing in the present what God has done in the past. This lady said to me not long ago in a restaurant, she said, where do you go to church? I said, I go to Harvest Baptist Tabernacle. She said, I've never heard of that one. I said, well, that's my fault. She said, but I want to ask you this. She said, have y'all got the Holy Ghost over there? I said, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, if we have any other kind of movement, he's here. She said, did you say it was a Baptist church? I said, absolutely. Independent, fundamental, King James, temperamental only. And she said, well, I have never heard of a Baptist church with the Holy Ghost in it. She said, in fact, no matter, it's been a long time since I heard anybody shout. 
It's been a long time since I've heard anybody preach on hell. It's been a long time since I've, she said this, since I've seen a preacher get beside himself. She said, do y'all do some of that? I said, every chance we get. Not every time, but every chance we get. She said, my heart longs to see God do what I saw him do when I was a little girl. And I said, ma'am, if you'll pray and I'll pray and God's people get hungry and pray, we can see God do again what God has done in the past. And Elijah said, listen, I hear it coming. The sound of an abundance of rain. Not just a little afternoon shower, but a gully washer. Does anybody know what a gully washer is? For our northern friends, a frog strangler. When it rains cats and dogs, jury said, you know it's raining cats and dogs when you go outside and step in a poodle. Jerry was as boring and when I told it as when you did. But how many know what a gully washer is? A frog strangler. Man, when the rain comes and just washes out all of the trenches. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you are a candidate for the latter rain of God's manifested power to rain upon us and give us a gully washer where it washes us out and washes us in to see what God can do. Elijah said, God, show these people that you're still God. And I'd love to see all of these pundits that say, well, God is just a myth, or God is just a frame of mind, or if there was a God, he is dead. Wouldn't you love to see them change their mind? And say, I need to retract that statement. God is more than a figment of the imagination. He is more than an historical figure of the past. And he sure ain't dead because he's moving over there on the side of the road. Aren't you glad that God can do now what he's done before? And I'm a candidate for it tonight. And there are three things that happened in this text when the fire fell. Number one, God was glorified. Number two, the saints were edified. Are you ready? And the enemies were mortified. Let's say that with me again. God was glorified. The saints of God were edified. And the enemies were mortified. You say, now what do you mean by God being glorified? Well, that was a wicked man. That was a king. And he was into idol worship. And he was trying to lead Israel into idol worship. And by the way, it wasn't the idols that made a dry path in the Red Sea. It wasn't the idols that made the sun stand still. It wasn't the idols that broke the bondage of Egypt. It wasn't the idols that thumped moons and stars and planets out in the Milky Way. No, it was the living God, the true God, the God that was alive. And brother, when the fire fell and the power came and God showed up, God was glorified. 
It said that the people fell on their faces and began in one mighty chorus. The Lord is the God. The Lord is the God. The Lord is the God. And I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you believe that the Lord is the God. Sports is not the God. Sex is not the God. Entertainment is not the God. Politics is not the God. Dead religion is not the God. But the Lord, Elohim, the Creator, Jehovah, Amen, He is God. And when revival comes, God gets glorified. By the way tonight, you know the purpose of you and I that are saved? To glorify God. And I don't know about you tonight, but I believe when the Bible's preached, God's glorified. I believe when the saints worship, God is glorified. I believe when old sinners get saved and turn their life over to God. And you know, I believe a lot of times we just stop and forget just what God can do in the lives of people. And that's why I love to hear people's testimony. You know, mine's kind of boring. I was a preacher's boy, and God saved me at an early age, called me to preach at an early age, and man, I'm saved and happy and thrilled and tagged and on my way to heaven. And by the way, the fire's still burning in my soul. It's kind of, you know, it's not very dramatic. Man, there's people can tell you, they were in prison and God saved them. They had spent millions of dollars on drugs and wine trying to be happy and trying to be satisfied. And God saved them. Man, I've heard some testimonies that make the hair I used to have stand up on top of my head. And by the time I hear these testimonies, I'm reminded there's nobody too hard for God. Nobody too wicked for God. Amen. Nobody too depraved for God. Oh, Richard, I wonder how many Richards are sitting at the house getting ready to smoke a joint and somebody knock on their door and win them to Jesus Christ and now they're preaching and teaching Sunday school and loving God. God, give us some more Richards. Wesley, I wonder how many men are in their homes on Sunday morning trying to get over it Saturday night and you turn the television on and a man of God is preaching with a loving God, sinner, sinner to hell, fall under conviction, get saved in your living room and live for God for 40 years. God, do that again. God, do that again. I want to see God sweep through this Sunday school class and save some more boys and girls and give us some more preachers and Sunday school teachers and soul winners. And I want to tell you, He's able to move in the Sunday school. He's able to move into preacher's family. He's able to save the good little kids. But I'm glad, bless God, He's able to go to Skid Row and save a bunch of dopers and save a bunch of drunkards. Because I'm going to tell you something, brother, when it comes to the power of God of salvation and changing lives and reaching sinners, there is there is no boundaries, there is no limits, there is no borders. And I believe when people get saved under the preaching of the gospel, it glorifies God. Hallelujah. And how many will agree with this? Of all the places on planet earth that God ought to be glorified, it's in the church house of the living God. God was glorified. He was lifted up. He was highly exalted above all. Brother, I believe we need to lift him up in this hour. 
Does it not bother you when some people, the only time they mention God is in the way they curse? And the blasphemy that I see in this world. I'm going to tell you something. He's not a cuss word. He's not a by word. He's the holy, living, sovereign God of heaven. And we ought to give him the glory. We're not here to brag on ourselves and lift up one another. We're here to give him the glory because he and he is worthy of our praise. When the revival came, God was glorified. Secondly, when revival came, the saints of God, the church, the people, the saved people, Israel, God's chosen people, you and I were edified. They were strengthened. They got back where they needed to be. God did a work and Israel was spared the judgment of God a few more years because the religious people were edified. The salt and the light was edified. The prophets got right and the sons of the prophets got right. I believe standing in that crowd of young preachers was that old man who took the spot and left this scene. Elijah, that was a young man he had laid his mantle upon. And his name's Elijah. Elijah's gone on to glory. Elijah's going to take his place. There's a man of God for another 40 years in the land of Israel. And God's people were edified. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was another generation that 40 years from tonight, they're still having church on Sunday morning and Sunday night at the Harvest Baptist Tabernacle. Wouldn't it be wonderful 50 years from the night, they're not having a dance in here tonight and a rock band in here tonight and some kind of performance in here tonight, but they're singing blessed assurance and they're singing I'll fly away and somebody's preaching and singing the lighthouse and somebody is lifting up the gospel, giving an invitation, baptizing you converts. I believe when revival comes, the saints of God are edified and lifted up. I don't know what all this means, but it's been in my heart in the last several months. God told that church in the last days, strengthen the things which remain. He said, we still got it and it remains, but it's just a little weak. And I want you to go back and strengthen the things that remain. I was talking to Dr. Shelton Smith. We're preparing for that national sort of the Lord conference. He wants me to preach again on Thursday evening. And man, we pray for months and months about that service because I'm telling you, a lot of preachers are there and we want to fire them up. And I've been praying about this and if the Lord don't change my mind, Genesis chapter number 20, I mean, he, he shouted on the other end of the phone just letting, just listening to it. But in Genesis 26, when Isaac came where his father Abraham had been, And he said, my kids need some water and our children need some water. But the Philistines had threw the dirt in those wells and had stopped them up. But Isaac and his servants, they didn't go to another valley. They didn't go to another region. And they didn't dig new wells. They started getting the dirt out of those old wells that his dad before him had dug. And the Bible said when they dug out of those wells that his father before him had dug, it said they found there where they'd been digging a well of springing water. That water just didn't run over there from a mountain. It was there all the time. 
the generation before him had drank out of that same well. And to show you that Isaac was not ashamed of his heritage. And he was not trying to repackage, reform, or recover. He was so not ashamed of his heritage. Not only did he dig in that same place and found that same water, Genesis 26 even said he called him after the same name by which his father had called them. And I believe we're having some kind of identity crisis in Christianity in this day. By the way, I don't have any problem calling this a Bible. I don't have a problem calling this a pulpit. I don't have a problem calling this a platform. I don't have a problem calling it church and worship. This man said to me the other day, he said, do you, do you still do revivals? I said, yeah. He said, well, we've, we don't call it revival now. We call it refreshment week because the word revival sounds harsh. I said, do what? He said, we call it refreshment week because the word revival sounds harsh. The word revival doesn't sound harsh to me. I'm a praying and a begging God for one. And I promise you this, if a real old-fashioned revival comes, it'll be refreshment day, refreshment week, refreshment month, and refreshment year, and refreshment eternity. There's nothing wrong with the word Jesus, and the word Bible, and the word hallelujah, and the word revival, and being saved, and born again. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time the church... God edified, strengthened. Our forefathers paid a price. Our forefathers blazed a trail. My God, I feel like preaching tonight. Our forefathers built altars and dug wells. And it's our day. It's our turn. It's our dispensation. Man, let's don't drop the ball. Let's get with it. And the saints of God find strength they've never had before. I don't understand it. Across this country in churches, and we see it in our pastor's fellowships, I sense a spirit of defeat. I sense a spirit of defeat. I'm telling you, because we didn't win an election, because of the economy's bad, because of all the crazy mess going on in the Biden administration, I don't like it either, but it is what it is. And I'm ready to take it on and do something about it. We can do two things, church. We can gripe and grumble about the way things are or get under the spout where the glory runs out and see the power of God come again and God edify us and give us the strength we need to stand tall in these last days. The saints of God were edified. God was glorified. And then the last one tonight, the enemies were mortified. He said, that's a little hard, preacher. Well, they were. He turned back the tide of evil. And those false prophets met their doom and met their end. And the enemy no longer prevailed. God sent the victory. And I really mean what I've said this morning. Aren't you tired of seeing the devil and crazy philosophy gain so much ground? Young ladies, God made you a woman. You're the prettiest thing God ever made. 
Enjoy it. Yeah. Boys, God made you a boy. The ugliest thing God ever made. If God made you a woman and God made you a man, thank God for that. Embrace that because there ain't no other kind. Telling you, man, aren't you tired of seeing the devil game the ground? There's a school system in, in another state that put it out on the news a while back that the local school superintendent said, we're not going to hire any teachers that have Christian principles. We don't want to traumatize our children. Man, that's what's wrong now. That's why they'll take a gun and go in a schoolroom and act foolish. They need some more teachers like uh, Miss Squishy, and we won't go into that, but we need some more teachers that's like those that's members of our church, and we, we and they're limited in what they can do. Uh, they're limited at the religious freedom we got. But I tell you what, it did wonderful that one of them can say, Miss Cannon, pray for me. Mm-hmm. Somebody pray for me. And I'm glad we can pray. Somebody say, Brother Chris, pray for me. As a young man not long ago in one of our local high schools, didn't have a mama, didn't have a daddy, and his grandma and grandpa are old and can't get out. He about raises himself, and he got an award at school, and the, and, and the coach called Chris. He said, most of the kids are going to get this reward. It's going to have a parent or somebody walk out with him. This boy ain't got nobody. Mr. Chris, you think you could come? What do you think Mr. Chris did? He showed up with bells of honor, walked out there with that boy the whole time they're walking. Son, God loves you. God cares about you. On day is something I'm tired of the devil gaining ground. It's time the devil got on the run and the people of God stood up and mortified the enemy and win the victory for God. This is not the devil's territory. This is not the devil's hour. This is not the devil's ground. This is not the devil's day. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He owns it all anyway. I believe tonight there's victory in Jesus. There's victory over the world. There's victory over the flesh. And brother, when revival comes, the enemies, they're mortified, they're defeated, and God is glorified. Boy, wouldn't you love to see that one more time? And when the fire fell, and God was glorified, and the saints were edified, and the enemies of God were mortified. So that's when Elijah said, I hear it now. Get your umbrellas out. It's about to do what it hadn't done in three and a half long years. Woo! I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That was a songwriter years ago reading that text and that little phrase got out on him. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain and it wasn't long till they were pinning the words to, there shall be showers of blessings. Showers of blessings we need. Mercy around us is falling. Oh, for the showers we plead. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. How many believe tonight we need a rain of the power of God, a rain of the holiness of God, a rain of the righteousness of God. Let's claim victory tonight. Let's pay the price, build an altar, repair the damage, make a sacrifice, give it all we got, and let's just see what God can do again. Because I believe our nation and our families and our future depends on what God can do for us in this day and hour in which we live. Then the fire fell 
and the rain came. And when the fire fell and the rain came, God gave Israel, through the successor of Elijah, Elijah, 40 more years of blessing. But wouldn't it be good if God gave Harvest Tabernacle 40 more years? 80 more years. You say, the Lord will be back for then. I hope so. But if he tarries his coming, may there be a witness. May there be a light. Are you a candidate for it? I am. God, do it again. God, do it again. Psalm 85, 6, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Psalm 138 in verse 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Ezra chapter number 3, Lord, give us a little reviving in our bondage. I just believe God can do it again. You believe he can? You want to see God do something? I sure do, don't you? Let's call him and ask him. Because he can do exceeding and abundant above all. That we ask your thing.